Hello and welcome to Frankly Speaking with Lynn Franks and Friends. I am Lynn Franks, your host, and in this episode of my podcast, I am with natural beauty entrepreneur and natural living campaigner, Joe Wood. We talked about her days married to Ronnie and traveling with the Rolling Stones, and most importantly, we talked about her passion for all things organic. We were just thinking about how long we've known each other because you were modeling from really young age, like 18 or something, weren't you? And you 16, to... I started modeling. Yeah, and about that time, I would have been running the PR company. So we've both had big lives and possibly yours more than mine because you did so much traveling in in your time when you were traveling with the stones and you were married to ronnie and of course we knew each other then because i was doing pr for a while for ronnie and his artwork and i remember you and the kids when they were little coming in the office with him and uh god um, it just seems like yesterday doesn't it it seems like yesterday but it's actually about 40 years ago i think or something like that and of course there's been times when our lives have come together over the years and it's wonderful now to have this connection with you because we're both so into the same thing so after these huge lives and as I said your life so enormous and um, not that we're going to talk a lot about those days but it would be fun to talk a little bit about them and the book that you've got out because you took photographs of that so shall we shall we start with that get that out of the way what it was like being a Rolling Stone wife and um, then talk about the other the other things we want to talk about which is so huge and relevant for today yeah, well, you know, I, when I, I started modelling at 16, then I married my first husband, Peter. Who I also knew. Was that Peter Green? Peter Green, yes. Yeah. Yes, when I first met you. Yeah, he wasn't he a fashion entrepreneur? Yeah. Yes. I met him, had Jamie, my son, with him, and I left him when I was 20. God, such a baby. And then I started modelling again, and then I met Ronnie when I was 22. Then had Leah when I was 23. And, you know, I just went off on this mad life that was totally unexpected. And I had, then I had Tyrone. We moved to Los Angeles, had Leah there. Then um, we moved to New York, had Ty there. Uh, and then we went, for years, we were on tour. It seemed like we'd, I'd pack up the cases for tour and would say goodbye to the house and said, see you in 18 months. Incredible. With the children as babies. Yeah. Uh, well, then the children would, when they were at school, my sister would look after them. And then they would come out on Easter holidays. And yeah, from 1989, we toured such a lot. Such a lot. I, I loved going on tour. It was like going off on an adventure. But missed the kids so bad. So then I started taking a tutor with them. and. But, you know, they were mad days because they were real rock and roll days. You know, so I, I've got a diary here somewhere from 1981, and it says on the 1st of January, woke up. <laughs> <laughs> and then nothing for the entire rest of the year. I don't really remember 1981. I don't remember 1981, but not necessarily for the same reasons. But it was a crazy time. I mean, even in the fashion industry, I wasn't on tour, but I was away at Fashion Weeks in Paris and Milan and New York. And, you know, the kids wouldn't come, which they still haven't forgiven me for, all that travelling. And then when I was there, they'd be coming around with me, peering in fashion shows and and being part of my world. And we'd sort of drag them around. And Yeah, my kids love the memory of the tour, going on tour. 
they just loved that part of la- our life. They they learned how to look after themselves in hotels. One time I came up, me and Ronnie went out for dinner. We came back. We were in Holland, actually, in Amsterdam. Came back, went in to see the kids, and they had a tub of ice cream and a massive tin of caviar. <laughs> what are you doing? What oh, are you that is doing? Funny. That's very that is- funny. I mean, our kids had amazing lives. My daughter, who's, um, I don't know if she's the same age as yours. My daughter's 44, roughly. And, yeah, she um, is the same age. Yeah. yeah. And she um, wrote to me recently, she was having a holiday where she was thinking back to her child, and she wrote to me saying, I now realise all the amazing things that you introduced me to, and <laughs> I really love them and grateful. Because I also went on this new age journey. I went to live in L.A. By the time I got divorced and had sold the PR company, and I went to L.A., I was on my kind of spiritual journey, and that's where my daughter came with me for a lot of it. So whether we were dancing with Gabrielle Roth in Big Sur or oh, nice. any time in L.A., and my son too. I mean, at the time it seemed so normal when I look back now. When I look back, it was normal. Life was normal in uh, rock and roll. You know, we, it was, people often say, how did the kids, you know, cope? But it was our normal life and uh, they, they didn't know any other life. So it, they didn't have anything to compare it to. Yeah, and, then all, and all the Stones had children, so I guess that all the children were touring and they were all friends. They're, and they're still great friends to this day. Um, I was at the Stone Show at the weekend and Theo and Alex and Georgia May and Jimmy Jagger and they were all there and all the kids, were in, well, gr- they were grown up now, but they were all gathered in a big group and laughing and I thought, oh, oh look at that. That's, that's so, so special. That is so special and sort of added to their life immensely. Um, and then you started getting involved in healthy eating and healthy living when you got sick yourself. What, tell me about that. How did that happen? Yeah, in um, 19... What were, year was that? 1990, I was misdiagnosed with Crohn's disease. And, um, and they just shoved me on steroids. And I've got pictures around. My face is all bloated. My skin got awful. Those steroids took my soul away. Yeah, terrible things. Yeah, and then this um, journalist did an article and it, in the Express. It said, Stone's wife, an incurable disease. And I got hundreds of letters. And I was so, felt so sad and lethargic all the time. I sat on the floor and I opened every letter and I read them all. And one of these letters was from a guy called Gerald Green. And he said, come and see me, Joe. I am a herbalist. I will put your Crohn's disease into remission for life. Amazing. The green, actually. A lot of greens in your life. I got in my car and I drove down to um, Hastings to his house and found his house. He had this little sort of cottage house and on the front door it said Shangri-La. Oh, you knew you'd come there. I went in there and in that afternoon he changed my life completely he's he said the first thing he I sat down and he said tell me what you eat I thought what what's he talking about and I just reeled off you know I pizza and and um uh, just reeled off everything that I ate I mean tall food I guess isn't always so healthy either so then he started telling me about food and he opened my eyes to food completely he told me, taught me about GMOs. He taught me about 
processed food. He, he, he made me realize that nature gives us everything we need and we don't need to mess it. So he put me on this diet. We detoxed my body. He took me off my steroids. And after three months, it was so hard to try and find organic then. 91. Very hard. After three, I found an organic farm in England and she used to bring me a box of vegetables. And then I started to grow my own. Uh, anyway, then he, um, he detoxed me completely. And then I was at my friend Lorraine Kirk. Yes, Lorraine. I know. Yeah. She took me down to the country. And whilst I was down in the country, I started to feel so ill with these pains. Lorraine was going, right, I'm sorting out this and sorting out that. And she sent me to see this Professor Farthing. And he said, let's take you right in and do exploratory surgery. So they opened me up and they saw that I had a perforated appendix. Oh, my he God. Said it was amazing that I was alive. But if I hadn't cleaned my system out, I'd have never known at all. So was that really behind this? This misdiagnosis for the yeah, that was disease? For my appendix. Anyway, so I laid in hospital and I thought, if I hadn't changed, if I hadn't detoxed my body, I, I might have died. And I thought, from this day onwards, I'm going to be an organic girl. So that's how it started. And I'm the same still. And so I started looking at all into of food. Uh, I started growing my own. I changed the Jamie left home because he couldn't stand the word organic in my house. <laughs> um, it was like, but I became obsessed. And Keith said to me, the trouble with you, darling, is you're addicted to organic food. Yeah, right, Keith. Terrible thing to be addicted to. <laughs> so that, that began my organic journey. And then in 2005, I launched my organic products. 2005, yeah. So that's quite a long time ago, actually. And and they've done pretty well. Yeah, they they did fine. They did fine. I still do it and uh, from home here, uh, and um, and small like my little cottage business. So I send out orders from here. Like I got to do a couple today, but that's all, that. I want to do it bigger. I need to get myself together to expand. But I need to find. So what some- is what is the actual brand called so people can find it? Joe Wood Organic. Oh, of course it is, Joe Wood Organic. So people can look it up and they can order it online. So um, your life obviously has changed dramatically because you're now living in off. Uh, I'm so envious. You've got an off the grid. Well, you obviously work very hard making it all wonderful. Is it like a little farm or? or yeah, so got- 2019, I, I had this desire to get out of London I think I was I think I was guided by the angels actually yeah likewise (laughs) I I had to get out of London I just was a manic about it that's it and I had a vision in my head of what I wanted anyway um but I couldn't find anything I was looking in Oxfordshire and and I had a woman looking for me and then one night I'm on my laptop and this little house popped up it said off-grid farmhouse in Northamptonshire. I thought, oh, gosh. And I took my son, Ty. I said, come with me. Let's go and have a look. So we came down here. And I didn't fall in love with it, but I could see the potential. And especially because it was off-grid. That's so unusual. Yeah. Uh, so it's got. I've got my own solar panels. I've got my 
well, I've got a borehole now because the well ran dry. I've got my generators around the side, uh, and and I dug I dug um, um, a wild pond. Well, I didn't dug it, dig it. I get it. Somebody dug it for you. <laughs> and then I've got my outside um, wood burning sauna, so I'm I'm all oh, set. Oh, it sounds yeah. bliss. I'm so coming for a visit. It's my dream. It's it's a lot of work though for a woman on her own. I mean, it's not easy. I'm sure you've got a great team of people that you call in. But when you first got there, that couldn't have been that easy. Well, when I first got here, everything went wrong. Everything, and we I got down here in winter as well. Generator packed up. The batteries were old and weren't working. The power kept going off. I thought, what the hell have I done? The well ran dry. I was I was just in such a state. I was like, I've, I've made such a terrible mistake. But then I thought, no, come on. You can afford to get it together. You can make it work properly. And so uh, actually now I'm just about to have new um, solar panels because the ones I've got are so old, they're working fine, but the new ones are more efficient. So you must have learned so much about how to live off-grid and ecologically and being close with the land. It must have been the most wonderful experience. I hope you're going to do a book on this. Yeah. Well, you learn that how much about the power that it, you need to generate to run your home. You know, I'm always, if people come over, I'm so, turn the light off. Turn the light off because you, you just, I can't afford to wear out my batteries and I, I must be, uh, I must be strict. So, and then once a month I have to do a force charge on the batteries and turn the generator on. I mean, I know how to do all the generator and everything now. So <laughs> a lot of work. I, I funny because I nearly bought an eco home before I bought the home I've got now, which is in the middle of Wincanton, which are two old buildings, like 500-year-old buildings that I've had to do a lot too. And I can't make them as eco as I'd love to because you're not allowed. They're listed buildings. But before that, I was renting up the road and I was living in this fantastic eco property and I was going to buy it and actually I didn't have your guts and I opted out and I thought I met it was two enormous buildings and it had a wild pool and it had land and I thought I am never going to be able to run this on my own it is hard but I've got a great guy Andy who lives up the road also lives off grid so I can call him anytime anything goes wrong. This is absolutely essential. We need our Anders. It's all very well being single, wonderful, grandmother, wise women, creating yeah. these incredible lives for ourselves. You need your Andy. You need your Andy, Andy, Andy. Otherwise, we are stuck. Yeah, handy, handy. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Oh, it sounds absolutely amazing. And I saw pictures on Instagram. I mean, you're growing a lot of vegetables. I saw these artichokes. I was green. Artichokes and I'm growing artichokes, lettuce, onions, beetroot. Got lots of beetroot, chard, um, what else? Loads of potatoes, carrots, just everything, radishes. So apart from feeding yourself, I'm sure you feed your family as well. Uh, and the importance, we talked about this earlier before we started recording, the importance of children particularly, but for all of us, to eat organically, to eat off the land and to eat food that's cooked properly is so important for our well-being. And I know that's your big passion. It's my big passion. So what can we do? I mean, what we were also talking about was how can we, as wise women, as women of the world, grandmothers, come together with others and create a way for um, our grandchildren and others' children to learn about 
the importance of food and the importance of growing and the importance of cooking naturally. I think that's it, is we need to teach women because, you know, in our day we had cookery lessons at school. Now they don't even do that. They don't teach anybody how to cook. So if you can't cook, you you uh, are certainly not going to grow anything in the garden. The kids need to be taught to cook, to grow food, to not be afraid that this comes from the earth. Uh, they don't see food, children, now properly. They see food covered in plastic in supermarkets. Yeah, and it, as you said earlier, I mean, it is they get the cheapest possible food, and, and I have huge sympathy because a lot of families can't afford anything other than that. And then they'll take it home, and it goes in the microwave, and it's not got no nutrition. It tastes like cardboard, and um, it, it, it's not—it's just not good. But and I'm sure know, that's why we've got so much cancers around now because the body's not getting the nutrition it needs. Oh, definitely. And you're not feeding the brain, are you? No, no, it's so important. So um, we were talking about how maybe we can get together with others and t- start doing a big campaign to sowing for sowing seeds because these kids, they don't need, I actually worked on something like this with Tesco quite a few years ago. The supermarkets did do a big campaign from farm to fork and it was to teach kids what, pota- what a potato looks like and how mushrooms are grown and all that. But I don't, but it was too short and it stopped and we need to do a lot more. And we also have a situation now coming up this next year where there's going to be such a huge food shortage as we know it's quite scary isn't it but there's going to be such a shortage in 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 food quality and on top of that you know we know we've got the utilities going up I mean it it breaks my heart to think of families one parent families one single mums who are having to choose between heat and it will get worse between heating and food so there is such a need to be planting and growing yeah we need to teach women how to plant and grow really Yes, and there is in every town and city there's public land. I mean, yes, people can start turning, like again, we were talking before, in the Second World War, families turned their gardens from flowers to vegetables. It was all about growing. My granny did that, and she used to make things from potato peelings, food from potato peelings, which the potato peelings have got all the nutrition in it. Yeah, yeah, my grandmother was pretty good at stuff like that. So we're going to, it's, it's going to be a very changing world, but rather than being overwhelmed and negative and worried, which of course we are, um, we've got to say, well, what can we do to change it? There are some amazing initiatives going on with guerrilla gardening and Incredible Edibles, which is a project up north, which has influenced the, what people from the world have come over to see how they're planting vegetables in community areas. Even in London, in Kilburn Station, they put fruit, fruit trees and vegetables along the station and people can come and take their food. But we need to do more of it. When we need to, for people that live in public housing who don't even have any land to be on, it's like, well, how do they get access to growing their own food. Yeah, look at the people that live in high-rises. How are they going to grow food there? Except, I suppose, you could, if you've got a balcony, you could grow bits. But It's, it's very gonna, hard. It's, it's very hard. But they, there is public land. I mean, it, it's, it, you know, it's not the sort of thing the government have, putting any, have been putting any attention in whatsoever. But it's, there is public land. And, um, in fact, Jane Lawton, who's a horticulturist that um, I work with, who's a friend of mine, very knowledgeable, she did a whole uh, rewilding around all the public housing, not all the public housing, but a lot of the public housing in Liverpool. She's based up north. And so she did huge, and she got a garden growing in the middle of Manchester on some wasteland, which she got the homeless to grow their own vegetables 
and um, sell off what surplus they had. And that one, then the land got bought by a developer and now there's a huge high rise on it. So there are, there are initiatives out there. And I think it's about us coming together and saying, how can we create a, a change and encourage people to grow their own food? It's, it's a biggie. It's a real biggie. And they need to be, women need to learn how to do it because it's very satisfying. There's nothing more satisfying. I mean, how it must be for you now. And now that you've got your house sorted and you've got your vegetables growing and you're cooking your own food there, it must be just so satisfying. And I remember um, you did when you were still living in Wimbledon a long time ago, you were doing those dinners for uh, your friends. When I was in, in Kingston, yeah, I did Miss Paisley's Lashings where I... To, uh, got Arthur Potts Dawson, the chef. He's a bit, he's an eco chef, and we we created Mrs. Paisley's lashings, where all the food came from the garden, went from the garden to plate. Everything was organic. We wanted to show you could eat an organic dinner that was sophisticated, nutritious, and delicious. Uh, and we did that. It was great fun. I loved it. Yeah. Well, we should get Arthur back involved because he doesn't live far from me. And uh, but he's he's always on the road, traveling backwards and forwards to London and wherever else he's doing some fantastic work with his food, teaching people and feeding people healthily. We do. Yeah. I've, I can see a plan emerging here. We get Arthur back involved. We start. I could do, I could do a Mrs. Paisley's lashings here. And um, use the food from my garden. That would be great, wouldn't it? Uh -huh. All sorts of plans. So what? So I was about to say to you, what next? But I think that is what next. What next is all the things you've learned from your extraordinary life that you've had. Um, is it's all now time? And and it's the same for me, really. Is how do we bring that all together and create opportunities and initiatives for other people to benefit from, especially children and young people, from what we've learned about food and what we've learned about healthy living. And and also we were talking about, actually on that, I, I, I don't want to not talk about the, um, I'm going to a conspiracy theory conversation, but into the fact that the general public are not told the truth at all and how we have certainly since the pandemic seen so much mistruths going out there. Do you want to talk about your views on that? That's why as women we should take a hold on all this and step, step into this and, and do our own thing. Yes, I completely agree. And I think what we've seen with the whole Boris Johnson situation, is that the government is far more chaotic and corrupt and, you know, in many ways sleazy. I'm not saying he's sleazy, but the people that work in Westminster definitely are. Matt Hancock. And, yes. You know, I'll never forget Matt Hancock giggling on the TV like that that time. I was absolutely horrified at him. Wasn't he awful when he was... Um, yes. I mean, those those press conferences that we had to sit through, we didn't have to sit through, but, I mean, they were on every day where Matt Hancock and scientists and, and Boris would come on telling us what we were and weren't allowed to do. I mean, it is extraordinary that not just in this country but world over, we all went into fear and lockdown overnight, how the whole world can close down it was in a matter of days. Unbelievable, wasn't it? It was unbelievable. Unreal. And the um, things that are coming out now, people that got contracts that were buddies or involved with people at Westminster and made had 
billions of pounds worth of contracts of products that never even got made or were faulty. I mean, they did go into a panic. None of that's, it's come out, it's been in the newspapers, it's been on the news, but it hasn't really been looked at because there's always distractions. It's constant distractions. Well, so then, of course, we had the terrible situation in Ukraine. Then we've got, but there's always a distraction. Now the distraction of Boris being made to resign. So corrupt. The world we live in is so corrupt. We need to have a, 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 a big group of women that aren't corrupt and do things for the good of the world, right, and the good of their children and put, put them first. Even the doctors. Even the doctors, I sent my doctor lots of stuff, my private doctor, lots of stuff, uh, information from Robert Malone and things like that, the guy that invented the MNRA. And I said, I, I questioned him all the time. <laughs> he must have thought I was insane. No, he's insane because he's going along with the narrative. Yeah, exactly. We, we, we are... We are kind of brainwashed with these narratives and we turn on the TV and we have, well, we had these press conferences and then the very people that were doing the press conferences turn out to be breaking all the rules. It's quite extraordinary. I've got a quote that I said to you before and I want to read it. It's my, it is my mantra that I believe in by Buckminster Fuller, who was an amazing visionary and architect, American, 30s, 40s and 50s, and came up with many ideas on many different levels, a bit like Steiner, or Tesla, you know, these extraordinary men, they were all men, they were the ones we heard about, that came along, particularly in the 30s to the 50s. Anyway, Buckminster Fuller said, you never change things by fighting existing reality. To change something, build a new model that makes the existing model obsolete. And that is what I believe. And as I don't believe that we could have to keep going and protesting to the current government, we have to create something better. And like you, I think that's going to be women taking leadership roles. There's lots of wonderful men out there too, and of course we want to involve them. But women have got to take a leadership role, not in an aggressive way, but in a way that comes from love and the way that comes from a place that isn't about fear and that we don't let ourselves be locked down and we create this world. You know, there's, there's, um, have you ever heard about the 13 grandmothers? the indigenous grandmothers. Do you ever come across that? So they came together, I think it must have been about 15, 20 years ago, maybe even longer. Um, the indigenous grandmothers from all over the world, including not just Native American, but Japan and Africa, dreamt each other in, literally dreamt each other in. And they were elders within their own culture and their own races. And they would meet regularly and dream about the positive future of the planet. Incredible. I sadly never got to meet them in person, but I followed them and I, I read their teachings and I watched their films. And uh, unfortunately, because they were quite, they're older than us and quite a few of them have passed away. But the whole idea of grandmothers, like when we saw each other the other day at the uh, charity fundraiser for African Solutions for African Problems, that charity we both support. I mean, that's all about the grandmothers in South Africa supporting the children because the parents, so many of them died from, from AIDS. So it's like, it is, if we get together as the grandmothers, as the wisdom keepers. So let, let's start that again. We've got to start our it again. own version of our the, own version. Yeah, there's some great women out there. That we've <laughs> lived such full lives, and um, um, it's be great to be able to pass that on and teach other women. You know, you can enjoy your life, but I think the only way we're going to change it is by demanding food that makes us healthy. And we not give people some uh, a patch of land to grow vegetables here if they wanted to. I've got a 
field that's not really doing anything. Um, but I, we need to teach them to cook, to plant it, eat well, to know the nutritional value yes. of their food. And the other big thing is herbs for healing. And that's another thing that more and more people, women particularly, are becoming so aware of is the power of natural healing through herbs and flower essences and all, all the things that women knew hundreds of years ago and would get called witches and would get burnt at the stake or drowned because they knew how to be natural midwives, they knew how to be herbalists. And I think it's a time for the witches to come back now. I mean, I'm happily call myself a witch uh, because it's about being, you know, it's about being a wise woman, being connected to the to the land, being involved with sacred feminine and, and being into the whole area of natural healing, which is what life's really about. Yeah, and, we, uh, shouldn't be, we shouldn't all be addicted to these pharmaceuticals like, you know, people are. It's just outrageous. We've come, at this point in our evolution of our, us as humans, we should be, you know, with all the scienti- scientific knowledge about nutrition, we should be booming. We should be, you know, free of anything like that. We should actually be so healthy. Man naturally shouldn't get ill at all. Uh, we we are built that if you feed us the right things, we will stay healthy. But we have a lot of things to deal with. We've got fluoride in our water. We've got chemicals on our food. We've got genetically modified food. We've got soil that's dying because of all the spraying. We've got contaminated um, Chemtrails, contaminated air. And then we've got um, just everything, everything around us. And then the pharmaceuticals industry as well and the whole way of healing. I mean, we have to be so strong to deal with all of this. Okay, well, that is our commitment, I think. We are both committed to it anyway, but now we're committed to it together. We have to get all our mates and all the other wonderful women out there to do it. I mean, in my case, I lost quite a few of my friends that wonderful people to much too early, like Anita Roddick and people that are real, Gabrielle Roth, who started Five Rhythms. There were so many wonderful women that were out there. But we've also, we agree about this. We kind of chose to be born now and we're still here and we are healthy. Thank God. Touch, everything's good. We are here for a reason and we have, we have a legacy to leave um, and we have a role to play and we have a purpose, which is um, to be creating something better for other yeah, children. Yeah, to create a better world. I mean, I really want to, when I leave this planet, I want to leave knowing that I've changed something and made it a better world. I love that. Yeah. Better world. Thank you so much. You have and you are and you will. Great. We are, Lynn. We, we are. are. We are. We are. Yeah. There, there's a lot of great women out there. We just have to kind of get together and yeah, we need to. Uh, we need have to these get conversations. Um, and we need to sort of have a cool name for them for us all. Yes. Well, I like I like the wise women. I love that one. You know, the, the wisdom keepers, the wise women. That's where we are, really. I mean. It, I'm very happy calling it witches. I'm, I'm sitting upstairs in my office now, but um, where I was talking to you before in my kitchen, I've got a huge big sign in yellow saying, I am a witch, which is there behind me when I do my Zooms. My mother used to say she was a witch. She was the seventh child of the seventh child. Oh, well, she probably was. Yeah. 
My mother used to hear voices from when she was very young, was incredibly psychic and intuitive, and both my parents did natural healing. My father, who was a butcher, great big hands, he used to have natural like oil, healing oil, would come out of his hands in later life, and he placed them on people that were sick. And they used to do healing together. I mean, they didn't charge for it. They used to have people queuing around the block. Just Yeah, so we, we come from lines of witches, really, don't we? Yeah. My <laughs> mummy always used to say, Fear is man's greatest enemy. Oh, that's very wise. And that is so true. So true. And I'm not going to have any fear. No. 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 We can't have any fear. No, we've been through it all and we're fearless. And, uh, yeah, we're there to share that power. Thank you very, very, very much. I am really excited about what we've got ahead of us once we get over the – We'll put we'll put this podcast out over while well, we're both having a break in August, and um, I hope anybody that's listening to it who would like to be part of what we're doing and talking about, and we are going to get this together. Already started. Get in touch. Um, probably get in touch with me. I think when this podcast goes out, there's usually a, an email address or something, and then we can. Um, we can set up another Zoom. Let's instead of just Joe, not just Joe and I talking, it's very powerful to have Joe and I talking, but another time we'll invite others in and we'll have a Zoom or something and have yeah. a conversation with other women who and feel can, as strongly as we do. Yeah, and we can create, start creating a, a strong women thing. A movement, yes, a strong woman movement. Yeah, there is a strong women's movement, which is not just about, it's not the thing that's happened. I've been in the women's movement here and the States for many years, is that it's not about being powerful within the existing system because the existing system is the one that's self-destructing. We can see that in politics all over the world and we can see it in business and we can see it even in the way education is run and and everything and media. That system, it's no point women wanting to be the prime minister or women wanting, I mean they can if they want, but they're still going into a system which is which is corrupt. Yeah. And, and so we need to do a new system where we bring uh, with a new New ideas and new visions, and we bring them into that, yeah. It is. It's about creating the vision because without the vision, we can't make the reality. That's how I work. You know, I do a lot of workshops and and retreats and things, and it's, in fact, I'm doing one. It would be great if you could come in September. Maybe bring your daughter. I'll come in September. It's just outside Glastonbury. It's it's something called the Earth Spirit Centre. And um, it's got room for about 40 women. We've just, we've done them. I've done them there the last four or five years. I think my daughter's coming, hopefully, to do some, she's a five rhythms teacher. So hopefully she's going to do some dance work there. But it's all about, it's I've called this one, now is the time. And it's like, okay, let's put this vision together. So that will be the perfect place to get together. You come down to Somerset. I'll definitely, definitely come to that. I'll send you the details. It's the, what's the date of the, yeah, thank you. It's the 18th to the 20th, first. The 18th to the 21st of September. It starts on a Sunday night and it goes on till um, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday, Wednesday. And then you can come and stay in my hub on the way there or on the way back and see what we're doing here. We've got, we've got a little vegan cafe. And we've oh, got a cool. nice little B&B and the, the eco shop where we can... Love to sell your products. I'll bring down some of my products then. Yeah, well, we'll, we can sell them at the retreat. Oh, this is great. And this is how women do it. Yes. Yeah, that would be really good. And in fact, 
if your daughter comes, as I said to you the other, the, when we last spoke, she reconnected with one of my daughter's best friends um, who she was at school with. Maybe I'll get them all time because the generation of young mums need to be involved as well. So the yeah. mums. And- See, Leah's very much into all that. She just finished a, um, a healing course. So she would love that. That's brilliant. And we'll have some yoga and it's the most beautiful natural space. It's not in Glastonbury, it's outside and it's surrounded by beautiful hills and trees and nature. And if the weather's good, send which me it is, email and I'll send that. you everything and I'll put it on the, I'll put it on the end of uh, this podcast so that anybody listening to the podcast would like to join Joe and I to start the movement of change. Cause now is the time in September at the very spiritual place just outside Glastonbury. I'll send all the details and we will get it going. I am so excited. Thank you so much, Joe, for giving me Thank your time. You. It was so and, great. Uh, yeah, you'll come here. I'm going to come and visit you off grid when, you, when we get some time as well. And the movement starts today and it starts here and it starts now. I feel so good about all this. This is really. Yeah, so do I. Yeah. I we we can, the thing is, we can do so much more together than we can ever do on our own. And that's what it's all about collaboration, right? Yeah. We're, yes, we're, we're coming together now. That is perfect. As you would have heard, both Joe and I are passionate about planting organic seeds, about bringing back natural foods and actually teaching young people and children how to grow their own foods too. So as an exercise, as a seed exercise to go with this podcast, I would like to suggest that you could research some organic seeds of vegetables that you would like to eat and plant some in your garden, in your window box, in the public area around where you live. Joe and I are going to work together with other friends to build up a whole campaign to plant seeds all over the country and all over the world. So watch this space and we'll be telling you more. Thank you so much for listening and taking part. Remember, I'll be putting up episodes every three weeks and I do hope you'll be back with us again soon. If you like what you hear and want to learn more practical methods to help you plant the seeds in your own empowerment journey or in fact plant seeds in your own community, then please subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it. Also, make sure to join our seed community if you haven't already. And together with thousands of like-minded women, you'll make friends, promote your business, share your stories and become inspired by others. Do sign up for our newsletter at lynnfranks.com. And until then, I look forward to seeing you next time.